Once you have the skills of internet marketing, like you could, you know, go into any business and you know, you know what to do. You know, you gotta grow an audience, you gotta engage that audience, you gotta convert that audience. Hey everyone, welcome back after a very long time to another episode of the Steel Entrepreneur Show. This is episode 41, and with me I have a nine-year veteran of entrepreneurship, and his name is Matt Astefan. He is a social media expert. He is the founder of webfriendly.com. You consult for companies like Tim Hortons, and you teach business professionals how to navigate or negotiate social media marketing. Matt runs the hugely popular Internet Mastermind. Internet Mastermind has 7,000 members. And um, it is, is this true? The largest internet marketing meetup group on in meetup. North on meetup.com. We're the yeah. largest internet marketing meetup on meetup.com. We're not the largest meetup on meetup.com. Uh, but, but the largest internet in, in, marketing related one. internet marketing, absolutely. We're, we're uh, by far the largest. You've given 100 plus keynotes. I've given zero. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you an internet mastermind. I know. <laughs> and among other things that I've certainly missed, you build online courses and you've enrolled thousands of people in these online courses, which is something I really know nothing about. So I'm, I'm excited to learn about that. So I did my best job to explain who you are, but how, how would you describe yourself both um, from a business perspective, but also from a, um, a personal perspective? I think people mostly know me as a uh, social media trainer. Uh, I've been training people um, you know, how, how to use social media since 2009. I would say it was like I, I started you know, before Justin Bieber got on Twitter, <laughs> you know, before Ashton Kutcher you know, showed Oprah how to use Twitter. Yeah, you're Twitter. like the OG. Yeah, so I, you know, I got into it at a time where you know I was on Twitter and I would tell people about Twitter and they didn't even know what it was. And I'd explain to them this whole yeah, concept yeah. of Twitter, you know. So, um, you know, I just used to be really interested in in learning about social media. I spent a lot of time reading Mashable and TechCrunch back in two thousand and nine. And I thought, if only I can get paid to spend all this time to like learn about social media. And, and this yeah. is back in the time too when. Some of you might remember this, where uh, you know you would use Twitter to talk about Twitter. You're using social media just to talk about <laughs> social media. It was like kind of that time. Uh, so that's kind of my, you know, what most people see me, um, you know, what I do professionally. Uh, now we've recently kind of changed from being a training company or an agency uh, to being more like a media company. So we're getting more into what does that look like? Uh, publishing content. Right okay. now it's written content and video content. Yeah. We're actually going through all of our library of content and just you know putting it out there and making it more available, more free. Well, you must have so much given all the events that you've run and you, you always have cameras at that, those, don't we you? We do, yeah. So we've got, I think it was something like 86 uh, videos that we've recorded over, Dang. I don't know, a period of time. So we're chopping them up into clips, putting them on YouTube. So we're looking at a few hundred videos there. Okay. Um, I had someone go through some of my programs watch it and then basically turn you know different parts of what I'm saying within my trainings into blog posts so if you actually go to webfriendly.com now uh, you read those blog posts that's all stuff coming from our, our training so you're material. repurposing the content essentially yeah so so far we have I think it was like 78 uh, blog articles in the queue uh, 
producing um, over 200 videos right now. And so once we get all that stuff out, that's probably gonna take us about a year or two by the time we get it all out. It's called a year and a half. Um, I'm hoping then we have enough traction, enough traffic, and I want to start producing things like mini documentaries, you know, about internet marketers or internet entrepreneurs, you know, and like go back to my kind of my film roots. I used to study film and doing more stuff with film, um, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, kind of you look at like what Netflix is doing now, right? First, they were kind of showing you other people's content. Now they're getting into producing their own unique content. So um, that's kind of how we're looking at our company now. Are you using any of that for your own marketing? Like, are you using any of that content that, that you've created a long time ago and then sort of running ads against that and that kind of thing? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So we're, yeah, in order to get traffic initially, we're probably going to be doing some ads, yeah. uh, either native ads and also, you know, boosted posts on Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing. We're using promoted content through different platforms. We could talk about afterwards. Um, and, uh, you know, instead of running ads for other people's things or using um, AdSense, we're advertising our own products. So we already have... Uh, at the moment, we've got nine products um, that, w that we offer. So when people go through our content yeah. and opt into our stuff, they'll eventually see offers for some of our trainings and our programs and our services. And what uh, kind of training programs are these? Uh, primarily, you know, social media based. Yeah. Uh, we're looking into getting into uh, other areas of basically internet entrepreneurship. So like basically how to have uh, an online business. You know, one thing, um, you know, my girlfriend's getting into now is Amazon. Right, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I know nothing about Amazon. I tell people that I don't know e-commerce at all, but it's very interesting. You know, she's just playing around with it, and she's already doing I think three, four thousand dollars a month on, on Amazon. So, you know, I'm interested to get into it, learn a bit more about it, maybe find somebody else we partner with, and you know. But basically, you know, our our you know our goal is is to help people become better internet entrepreneurs. Uh, right now, our courses are primarily focused around internet marketing, so how to be an internet marketer and have an internet business that way. I think yeah. that's the best way to go about it for someone first starting, because that way you learn internet marketing, do it for a couple of years, and then decide, you know, you want to start another business and you use those skills to basically grow that business, right? See, I went the other way around. I thought, I didn't learn the internet marketing. I just said, oh, I'm going to start a business and then I'm going to learn internet marketing. Oh, I see. It was a mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did it the total wrong The thing way. is, like, once you have the skills of internet marketing, like, you could, you know, go into any business and you know, you know, what to do. You know, you got to grow an audience, you got to engage that audience, you got to convert that audience, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically it. Makes sense. I was talking to... As you know, part of my process is to interview people that you know, both on sort of the business side of things, but also the personal side of things. And one of the yeah. dudes, um, Lucas Mattiello, Mattiello, I always mess up his name. He was on episode 31 and he said, I mean, he speaks so highly of you. One of the things that, that struck me was he said, Matt, Matt has been doing this for nine years. And he's been making great, great progress. But it's it's this year. It's it's the year to come. He's just he's hitting his stride. He's finally all the pieces are kind kind of coming together. What do you, what do you think he meant by that? Well, I think before I was always into having uh, a lifestyle business. Yeah. You know, uh, digital nomad, travel the world on my laptop. You know, I did. You know, I had all the flexibilities. Yeah. You know, and I, that's what I was about. And and I've never really been about like I want to make millions of dollars and stuff because like you don't want to have you yeah, know who would want that That's I mean you want, you want money but it's like if your <laughs> only goal is just to make money you know and then you have money it's like once you have it, I think there's even a stat on this like once you make over like seventy thousand dollars you know more money doesn't equal more happiness you know 
Um, so it's kind of like I thought about it. I was like, what do I actually want in life? And the things that I actually wanted didn't cost you know significantly yeah. more money. Like I wanted to go and you know travel to Thailand for five weeks. You know, that whole trip was like I don't know, all said and done. Twenty five hundred bucks. I don't, you know, like, yeah. you know what I mean. So, so you don't like, need to. You don't, you don't need need to save up for ten off. years to go and do that kind of stuff, yeah. right? So, I was always like, yeah, lifestyle business. Where, um, you know, I think now I just had a baby. Uh, he's almost two years old, and uh, almost two. Yeah, in, uh, in in a few months he'll be two years old, and so, you know, you know, now I'm looking to build, you know, a business, and you know, I want to grow it to a million, eventually get to ten million and, and beyond. And it's more like sport. It's like, you know, I feel like, a, you know, I know what's going on in the online marketing world. I, you know, I, I know how to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, what does, what does a business look like to you? In like in a just, year? No, I, just what does a business look like to you? you, 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 you I, I kind of want to contrast the lifestyle business to a business business. Like, yeah. well, how, do you, how do you contrast the two? So I think like, you know, with a lifestyle business, you could very easily make like six figures, you know, consulting, teaching, coaching, sure. you know, uh, now, you know, we're doing more kind of like mentorship. We're looking at things more mentorship. I've kind of got away from, you know, selling videos and saying good luck to here's a set of videos and also let's have a conversation. Let's see how we can make this work for you yeah. and kind of think it more long term. But it feels like what I want, uh, you know, my business to look like and what I think a real business looks like is, you know, if, if I wanted to go, like, for example, when I went away for five weeks to Thailand, yeah. you know, I still had some revenue coming in. I sure. worked very few hours my entire trip there, you know, but I wasn't making a whole lot of money while I was away. You know, I want to make it so that way, you know, I'm creating, a, you know, an engine and a machine that can work without me, you know, and I've really been able, and this was really hard for me as well as an entrepreneur, is be able to take myself away from a lot of the tasks. I used to run all of our ads. Yeah. You know, now I'm just like, I can find someone who could do our ads for us. Even though I teach people how to run ads and I know how to run ads, but in, in terms of timing, all the other pieces that I want to put together, it's not, you know, my, my best use of time to run the ads myself, right? I could write content, but I can also find great writers, right? So it's just about basically building a team of people and just letting go of, you know, I always, my first, you know, I don't know, seven years of business, I always felt like nobody could do things better than I could do them. So yeah. I had to do them myself. Huh. So it's like... Story the, of my life. It was, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm still figuring that one out. Yeah. So I've, I've really let go a lot and just created more processes, more automations. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think your business will grow when you make a bigger impact. We're all about creating real results for people. So that's our main focus. And I think that as you create more results organically, your business will just grow. We, you talked about the, the Facebook ads, and this is something that I'm somewhat new to. I hadn't run a lot of ads previously, and then when I started this show, I got a little bit more serious about it. And so it's it's been a sharp learning curve for me. It's been a sharp learning curve um, for my team. And I guess I'm curious what my team should expect from Facebook ads, say, a year or two down the road, like you've spent so much time, you've seen the changes that Facebook has undergone in their ad platform to their algorithm, et cetera, et cetera. If you had to make some predictions, um, what sort of changes will impact business owners and ad users in the next sort of one to two years? 
Well, for one, um, you know, ad costs are going up, yeah. right? Google AdWords as a platform is, I believe, you know, 10 years older or 15 years older than Facebook. Yeah. It costs more. It's more established, right? Just like if you look at, you know, you want to advertise on TV or a billboard, you know, that kind of stuff has been around for decades. Therefore, it's exponentially more. They've got a lot more customers, right? Yeah. So, you know, definitely the price is going up. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's no better time to get into Facebook ads and learning it than now. It's, you know, I, I've been using Facebook ads since they very first launched, right? What was the cost, cost per click back then, um, generally speaking, compared to what it is? I know it varies, but like how much has it changed? I remember on average, it was like 25 cents a click kind of thing. <laughs> and right? nowadays? And you used to get likes for like fractions of pennies, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, now, I mean, it depends on your campaign. You could definitely optimize a campaign and, and, and you know, that's all about how you build up, um, you know, there's different stages of an ad campaign, which I don't yeah. know if we want to get into, but, you know, stage one, you might spend, I do want know, to get into, <laughs> I okay, want to learn. Stage one, you might spend, you know, a, you know, a dollar per click, right? Yeah. Um, as someone gets more and more engaged and you, you, you grow into smaller and smaller audiences. Like you cool. segment your audiences kind of Based thing? Based on or? how engaged they are, right? Okay. And so by the time they're actually seeing the offer, your cost per click would be much lower uh, because you've already pre-engaged them, right? Gotcha. But then of course, if you were just average it out, I mean, you're probably spending, I don't know, uh, it really depends. I can't, you can't say it's going to yeah. cost you. you know, but it's, much it's quite a bit more expensive than it was previously. Absolutely, yeah. But, okay. but you also now have so many more targeting options. That's true. Right? So it's like, you know, we could look at surface levels just like cost per click, but then, you know, when you get into, you know, cost per acquisition, cost per sale, the value of the sale, how much people are willing to spend today versus, you know, nine years ago or whatever it was, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors in there to say, you know, but, but for sure, the cost of advertising is going to go up. Hopefully, the amount of targeting and, and you know, um, Facebook's got a lot smarter in terms of finding your customers. Now they do similar audiences. They've been doing that for a long time. Are they, call, they call that look-alike? Is that what they call that? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, look-alike audiences. Um, you know, they could do, uh, you know, once you have a certain amount of conversions and you've, you've gotten a certain amount of customers, yeah. they could start profiling what those people are like to finding more people like them. And then you could say, hey, Facebook, I will pay $10 for every person you bring me or $20, whatever the price point is, right? Yeah. And they just go out and they find you all the low-hanging fruit, right? So it's like yeah. those algorithms that they're building, you know, so if the cost does go up higher, but you know how to use the platform, you know how to use the technology. So much more power. Yeah, so it might actually eventually make the cost per, um, you know, cost per acquisition lower. Who knows, right? Yeah. Uh, so, What yeah. metrics do you um, are kind of king for you? Well, it's going to be either your, depending on uh, goals, but uh, typically our, our back end and our funnels convert really well, right? Yeah. So we know that if we get a qualified person to basically get in into our community, right, they're, eventually, they're going to buy something, Would right? Would you call that a cost per acquisition? That would be the cost per acquisition, right? Okay. Typically when we're running our ads, uh, we are just looking for our cost per opt-in, right? Yeah. Or that could be our cost acquisition. Per email. Yeah, just to get somebody to, to opt-in. Um, so... Uh, but it, it would depend on your uh, on your goals of what you're trying to achieve, right? I, for me, I look at it two separate things, right? Because like, how much was it to get get them, you know, into our community, mm -hmm. and then everything else on the back end looks at, you know, the the value after they buy the first thing, and then how, you know, we want to increase the lifetime value. So I look at it as two separate things, but different businesses will look at it different ways depending on your goals, yeah. right? So you look at CPA or cost per acquisition, and then you would look at probably long-term or LTV of that acquisition. That's so right. what did they actually end up turning into somewhere in the future? Exactly. How, how do you, and I'm kind of going on a tangent here because yeah. I'm super curious about this because we aren't great at this. Mm -hmm. um, how do you measure 
lifetime value or it's lifetime value, LTV. Yeah. How do you measure that once they've already um, uh, signed up? Is that just using a few like, ways. their okay. email? Or? So yeah, so originally I was, uh, you know, we we're also doing it actually through Active Campaign. What's that? Active Campaign is like our email automation software. Okay. So I've gotten really deep into it. We built a, you know big automations inside there. So basically now someone will you know get into our community and then it'll just launch you know an offer to them. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know throughout time, uh, it spreads it out over time. So like a like a drip campaign type thing. Uh, yeah, it's basically like a drip campaign, but basically the way we look at it is for every one of our products, yeah. we have what's called a lead magnet, which is going to be like a free thing that we'll give away, maybe yeah. even a secondary free thing that we're going to give away before we actually make them an offer to buy. Uh, you know who the king of this is? Ryan Dice. Have you checked out Ryan some of Dice, yeah. Ryan Dice has the machine. Ours is similar to the machine. It's, okay. It's, it's, it's adapted. So from, his product is called the machine. That's his That was his like, that was his like, well, he put out a course a long time ago called the machine, which is basically, uh, yeah. but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Our, our, we don't have the exact same um, sort of setup, but uh, I got the idea of our current setup from um, that his, process. Yeah. yeah. I didn't actually take that course. I talked to somebody else who would think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got, got the concept of it, right? I, I took ideas from different places. Yeah. So I signed up for his and then I was like, and then I got the emails over like, I don't know, a month or something like that. And I just took notes from each one of those emails. What's he doing there? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, what's he doing with that title? Or what's he doing with this? Well, the, co the copy in the emails is one thing, but it's what like building out the automations. Uh, I, I don't follow I find as it much. to be kind of like in your face and like really full of energy. And sometimes it comes off just as a little bit too much for me. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I, I take a different approach on email. I'm, I'm a lot more uh, conversational. Yeah. Um, I encourage people to respond to emails. I actually spend a lot of time responding to people who respond to our, our emails. The emails are automated, but if you ever hit reply to it, like that's actually coming to me. Dang. Yeah, so uh, I, I respond to... What do you use to... Um, and I'll move on past this. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to... I'm looking for stuff that I can apply tomorrow, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. So when that email comes back to you, um, does it just go into your Gmail or do you have some sort of yeah, like a... Uh, this comes from just, just Gmail, Gmail okay. yeah. My favorite ones to reply to are when it says re and then there's one of my creative subject lines and I know someone responded, yeah. right? We have an email. If you, you, you join our list, no matter how you join our, our list, right, and you're inside of our community, uh, you're going to get a welcome email and then an hour later, it's going to send you an email and just ask you a few questions about you and your business. Yeah. Just, I can't remember exactly how I wrote it out, but it's basically like, hey, just tell me about your business, you know, who is your customer and like, what do you offer? Yeah. Right. And the reason why I put that in there was because I want to learn about, um, you know, who is getting on a list, you know, what kind of products do they sell? What kind of business do they have? Right. So, and it asks to just hit is reply. Is that your first email? If, yeah. you, if you go, anyone's watching, if you guys want to opt in or whatever, you'll see after one hour, you're going to get this email that just says, you know, can you answer these three questions for me? You respond to it, I'm going to respond back. And be like, hey, thank you, or whatever. And like, yeah. there's times where someone says, oh, I'm trying to get into this and this, and I'm not sure. And I'm like, oh, I just saw this YouTube video last month. You should watch it. And yeah, right yeah, away, yeah, we just yeah, start yeah. the dialogue. You start to build trust right away. Yeah. Versus like, here's an email. I don't actually give a crap about you. Read my stuff, buy my courses. Instead, you've taken the approach where you're like, Hey, I care. Exactly. Tell me a little bit about yourself, and I will help you. Exactly. You know, it's all about you know you want to scale, be unscalable. You know, yeah. if, we, if we have millions of people on our list, I can't really do that anymore. Maybe I'll hire somebody full time. Sure, There's sure. a lot of value in just understanding who your audience is and kind of where they're at. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's been huge for me, right? And so you know, the amount of time it takes me every day is you know, let's just say you know, I don't you know to check them every single day, but you know, maybe spending you know 20 minutes, 30 minutes. 
um, every day. Just, you know, I shouldn't say every day again. It's every once in a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, going in and responding, looking for the emails and uh, responding to them. Speaking of trust, you have built, as I mentioned at the top, you've built a a community of, of seven. What was it? Se- I want to say seventy two hundred or seventy three hundred people yeah. on Meetup.com. How how did that idea hatch? How did that what what got you to do that in the first place? So, okay. So for those who who are unfamiliar with Meetup, some people don't, don't you know Meetup is you know the social network that's all about taking the online offline. Meetup.com. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Get you know meet people in person, right? So when I was first getting started. This is back in like, you know, late 2008. And um, I was uh, wanting to learn internet marketing. I was on Twitter. Someone put out, um, you know, a tweet saying he's going to have a meetup. I had no idea what that was yeah. about WordPress, which I had just heard about. <laughs> and I thought maybe I should go. Well, you're way ahead of me. I hadn't heard of WordPress till probably like 2011 or 12. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I go to the meetup. Meet some people. It was cool, a little yeah, nerdy group, whatever. It was cool, right? Um, and uh, I met this one guy there, Tyrone. Uh, yeah. Me and him hit it off. We became buddies. And then I told him, like, hey, man, like, I had just gotten a hold of this online course. At the time, they were DVDs or CD-ROMs or something <laughs> like that. I can't remember. Traffic Secrets 2.0. Yeah. Right? Uh, anyone's familiar with that course? It was like the first uh, million-dollar launch. Sure. Or I think he made a million dollars in a weekend or something like that um, when, he, when he first launched his course. So I was really excited to watch this. I said, why don't we all come to my place and let's let's spend the weekend and let's just go through these 12, I think they were CD-ROMs yeah. or whatever, right? So we did. We ended up just watching one or two of the discs and then just talking for the rest of the time. And then this one guy was like, we gotta have a mastermind. I'm like, what's a mastermind? He's like, you don't know Think and Grow Rich? And I was like, what's Think and Grow Rich? <laughs> right? So he explained to me the concept of a mastermind. Yeah. I was like, yes, let's have a mastermind, right? So this is like, you know, Saturday Think and, and Sunday. Rich being Napoleon Hill. He's the one who kind of, I think, popularized the idea yeah, yeah. of the mastermind. So, uh, you know, this is like a Saturday and Sunday. Then on the Monday, my buddy, he, I think he went home on Sunday or Saturday, whatever, put an ad on Craigslist and said, we're starting an internet mastermind. Who wants to join? That's scrappy. Right? I like it. And then uh, he got a response from someone said, hey, we already have a mastermind. Why don't you come out? We meet every Monday night at 7 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he calls me up. Uh, he's like, hey, I got, a guy responded to me. 7 o'clock Monday, this is like, you know, we just met Saturday and Sunday. It's like the next day, let's go to this thing. It's at some hair salon, right? Yeah. Some digging old hair salon. So, I, you know, it's one of those times where it's like, you don't really feel like going out. You know what I mean? It's like sure. Monday night, stay home, watch some TV or whatever. Or do you go out, you know? And so I was all about, I remember there was this quote that I got early on. It was like, people get ahead during the time that others waste. Right? So I was like, either I'm going to stay home and waste time I like or that. I get ahead and let's see what happens. Sure. Let's go meet somebody, right? So I go with him, and I'm lost. I'm, I'm, you know, he was there before me. I'm going there by myself. I walk in, and as I walk in, man, the whole room is like on fire, right? They're they're doing this thing called introductions. Everyone gets up for 30 seconds, say who they are, what they do. As I walked in, uh, a guy named Darren Jacklin. Some people might know who he is. You know, really charismatic speaker. He's up on, you know, in front of the room, uh, speaking. And then I I open the door, and they had this like projector thing coming down and I open the door and I come around the projector and I'm at the front of the room while this guy's giving this like electrifying you know introduction I'm and I'm like stage fright right like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't know anyone you know scared or whatever so I'm embarrassedly like sit down <laughs> whatever and it's, it's packed nowhere to sit what's really interesting about that day is that day like a lot of these internet marketers that I'm now friends with like they were in that room on that day like it's amazing and I won't I want to interview a whole bunch of people but Basically, like all these internet marketing friends happen to be in that room on that day. And so I ended up meeting a lot of people there that I, you know, I could 
probably name drop 10 people right now that I'm still friends with today that were in that room uh, then and just learned so much, right? Just learned so much in that one day. I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to be here every single Monday. So Monday after Monday, I kept yeah, on yeah. going. One day, the guys who were organizing it just didn't show up. The guy who had the hair salon, he was there, but the guys who were like the actual internet marketers showing people around, they, they just didn't show up. So our phone's like, well, what do we do? And I was like, I like put out my hand, I'm like, I saw this really good Gary Vaynerchuk video, right? I was like, do you guys know who he is? Everyone's like, no. I'm like, well, he was talking about this thing called Twitter. They're like, what? Can you tell us more, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I pull out my computer, connected the projector, and I play them this video. Everyone's like, can you teach us more about Twitter, right? At the end of this Boom. video. I'd never done any public speaking, yeah, yeah. but I wanted to. I was looking for like a Toastmasters and stuff, right? Sure, sure. So, you know, a week later, uh, I, know I ended up doing my very first talk, which was a talk about how to use Twitter, like 101. And at the time, I knew a lot about Twitter, you know? So, you know, I got really excited about it, and people were like, can you teach us more, right? And then one of, one of the guys there is like, Matt, you should do like a workshop and charge people for this. So I did. I charged, I think, 300 bucks. Yeah. Uh, I rented a boardroom. Um, in a, in a coffee shop, Wade's Coffee, Alan yeah. Smythe. Right? <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, and then uh, I did my first workshop and then, you know, went on from there. I think I had 12 people at my first workshop, which for yeah. a weekend at the time, that was a lot of money for me. I was really happy. And, uh, and that's how I kind of got into the whole training business. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the, um, what do you think the, the value is for someone thinking of starting their own? Like, what do you, what do you think the sort of, obvious value is for I think with so meetup obvious, okay perhaps. so with meetup I think that when our meetup group was small that yeah. those people that we first met yeah. were like the strongest connections you know like now I'm like so fixated on I want big events I want sure, 100 sure. plus people but it's really about community I want the same people coming out every Monday night I don't want to have a different 100 people yeah, you know, yeah. if you're doing like a webinar, you're doing like a sales webinar, your goal is basically to have a different hundred people on every webinar because you're going to convert a certain percent. With Meetup, it's community, right? So when we used to do it every single Monday night, like if there was like 40 people there, at least 10 were there every single Monday night or almost every single Monday night. You know, out of 40 people, 30 were regulars and 10 were kind of new checking it out. You know, then we started growing. We got 80 people and so yeah. on. And that regularity of those same people coming over and over again. That's what made the meetup strong. So if you want to start a meetup group, what you want to do is don't focus on, I got to get a ton. Like you want like five or 10 people at your first meetup and then you want to be consistent. It's every Monday, every second Monday. Get those same five to 10, have them bring a friend. Yeah. And you need that consistency of like, I remember there was another meetup I used to go to. It was on the last Thursday of every month. Yeah. Something that people can remember. Sure. Right. So when we're doing every single Monday night, we were doing every single Monday, even when there was a holiday, we were doing a Monday. Like it's crazy how many like Mondays I did in a row. Even now, like now I have a hard time doing this. Right. Yeah. But back then it was like every Monday, internet. Everybody knew every Monday was internet masterminds. Right. And we grew a real community. And personally, I made a lot of friends from that. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'd be friends with Lucas today sure. if it wasn't for that. Although I met him somewhere else, but it was because I invited him there. Yeah. He became a regular. I mean, we might not have met. Yeah. Then we, you know, sure. so like, you know, connection wise, everybody should start a meetup group. I mean, you know, absolutely. Right. There's things that I definitely don't like about meetup as a platform. Um, I've written to them. I've tried to contact the CEO. I've got a lot of feedback. If uh, meetup.com, you guys are listening. <laughs> I, I have, I made my attempts. I made my attempts. Cause Talk a, to Matt. A <laughs> lot, lot of issues with the platform and, um, if you are a tech entrepreneur, somebody needs to go and hack meetup.com and make another, like, I don't know why no one's, no one's competing with meetup.com. You know, if you look at like, you know, Eventbrite yeah, for events, they're just about selling tickets, you know? It's like meetup is different, yeah, it's yeah. a community and there's nothing else that's like it. And so. Is it because maybe 
Facebook kind of has. Facebook doesn't have one. Does, it's not the same thing. No, no, it's not. It's, yeah, because Facebook has all those other aspects to it. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just like. Well, maybe uh, you need to be the one to do it. If I had, I don't know how much meetup.com would cost to buy, but if I had, you know, a lot of money, if I had Mark yeah. Cuban kind of money, I would make an offer to meetup and I would go. What do you think it would cost? What, like $100 million? Something like that? More than that. I think maybe. it's probably, I don't know. I, I can tell you right now, like, <laughs> even what meetup.com charges for meetup organizers, I would pay 10x that. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. charge you like, it's like 15 bucks a month. Sure. Right? At having 7,000 members, the value of that to me is worth a lot more than 15 bucks a month. Sure, sure. You know, so, I mean, I, you know, I still don't care if Meetup fucking hears this because, <laughs> <laughs> because if they did that, maybe they could do more with the platform. So we, let's, not, let's not make this a meetup.com. So you, app, you yeah. organize a lot of other events outside of the meetups themselves. Um, not super, super often, but they're, they're paid events. And I was, I was, I was kind of, you know, I've been to, I, I recently went to the Mantox conference. I've mm. been... Um, to a couple others sort of around town. And I'm just thinking my worst nightmare would be organizing one of these things, paying for the venue, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody shows up. It's like half full. How do you deal with that possibility? Yeah, you know. Like mentally, how do you cope with that? Because I would just, I'd get there and I just, I just wouldn't feel very good about it. <laughs> Very good question, and uh, I don't know, uh, like, for me personally, like, you know, I did, I did my Science World events, right? I yeah. did two Science World yeah. events. Where it's I a read, big venue. I read the, the IMAX Theater. There yeah. is uh, 223 seats, uh, which I believe is fire code, and, uh, you know, I was like, hopefully I could sell 223. I ended up selling 240-something or 230-something, I can't remember what the number was, on the first event, and then, like, 20% don't show up, and when you're talking about 200 you know, 30 people, 20%, it becomes somewhat of an empty sure. room. I was like, damn, I was like, I yeah, could have yeah, sold yeah. more tickets there, right? And I was like, it was like fire code 223. It's like, you know, like maybe there's a few extra people there, but if people were like standing in the back, I can get in trouble kind of thing, right? And I was like, I don't want to sell somebody a ticket and get kicked out or something, you know? So I was the first time I was nervous about it. Second time, we sold 265 and we were still good, you know? And I remember, um, yeah, it was like the first time it was like, can I fill a theater? But because I'd been doing so many meetups and so many events and getting 80 to 100 people coming out to hear, you know, someone who they'd never heard of, just yeah, that yeah. I introduced. But this time it was like me speaking, doing this workshop. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that I just had like um, a feeling that the copy was good on the page. The offer was good. The offer was strong. Um, I had lined up some promotional partners on the first event. They didn't bring in a lot of sales. I brought in most of the sales. So my second event, I had no promotional partners and sold even more tickets. Um, how, I, how are you pushing these sales? How are you, how are you getting uh, bums in the seat? I just, because my, my meetup.com list is Vancouver people. So sure, sure. at the time, I probably had, I don't know, five or 6,000 people on, on, oh, you know, on that, meetup. That's going to be helpful. Yeah, and sure. they're all in Vancouver. And then our actual email list at our company is also yeah. very Vancouver-based as well. Uh, so I think because I've got such a large list of people who are interested in that kind of thing that I could fill an event. Um, but uh, you can do it through Facebook ads too. Just your cost per getting somebody in, in, the, in the door is going to be much higher. Mm -hmm. So that's okay if you've got an offer to pitch. But I'm doing these events and I'm not really like pitching anything at the end, right? That's not, it just, I'm creating content, right? I'm do, I do a four-hour presentation, I record it, and then I have a new course that I can yeah. sell online later, right? So, I mean, I, I've worked with other events, other conferences that kind of were stuck in that place where they were like a week away of the events. They're like, we thought we were going to sell 500 tickets and we've only sold 100. Yeah. Can you help us? And then I'll come in there and 
I don't know, work on their marketing or whatever, yeah. and then you know sell 200 tickets in a week or whatever. I think I know he did 100 tickets in a week uh, for one conference. So where where are people profitable there? Like, it, do, are the events themselves typically like I'm not saying specifically yours or specifically anybody else's, but from what you understand, are they typically profitable, or is it something else that they're selling after? Okay, if your if your if your audience is like businesses, entrepreneurs, and like that kind of thing, if yeah. that's kind of the market, um, you know, I think that you're better off to sell at a higher price and have less people sell tickets at a higher price, yeah. have less people. I think that'd be profitable because then you don't have to have the expense of having a large venue and all that kind of stuff, right? I think that's the way to go in that avenue. If you want a lot of people at the event and all that kind of stuff, you got to go more corporate sales. Right, so you're getting business people versus entrepreneurs, right? Okay. So that was one mistake I saw one conference uh, doing. I tried to tell them, you guys got to double your prices and go corporate. Uh, they didn't listen, and uh, you know, I, I don't think they're doing any more conferences. I've seen other conferences like um, the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference sure. that was out in Squamish. Yeah. yeah. It looks like they're doing really well, right? They're I think they're like seven hundred dollars tickets. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Seven hundred, fifteen hundred dollars is like corporate uh, social media camp in Victoria. They're doing phenomenally. They've been going forever. They're yeah, awesome. they, yeah. They're, I think they're like they've been doubling. I talked to them. I think you You've know three, four. At least one of them. Yeah, I spoke. Yeah. I spoke one time. I was yeah. talking to the organizers, Chris, and he was saying how they were doubling their attendance. What's Chris's last name? I can't remember. Uh, Borge, Borge, Borg, yeah, yeah, something Borg, like Borg. Borgus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice guy, yeah, yeah. cool guy. Yeah, I mean, they, they just do, they do really well with that. So, but they're selling corporate, right? They're not. Their audience is not the entrepreneur, you know, that sort of thing, right? So that that would be my take if you're trying to do like a business-related event. And the other one is invest in a keynote, right? A good keynote is going to cost you anywhere from ten to thirty thousand dollars. A big name that will draw the draw the crowd. Uh, I think that's definitely a payoff. Makes sense. I'm thinking of like Gary Vaynerchuk, for example. Gary Vee's good. I, 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 cost? I, I think it's 30k. I, I believe. 30k. I think that's it. not so bad. 30k plus a rider. Do you think? I don't actually know what it uh. costs. I'm just guessing it's 30k. Usually, with a lot of them, you, if, when you get someone who just released a book, they'll yeah. do it. If you buy uh. 30k worth of books, oh, because that would, that's how they become number one bestsellers, right? So like Gary Vee. Oh, I did not yeah, know so that. Yeah, so Gary Vee, like when if he releases a book and yeah. he wants to be New York Times number one bestseller, he'll say, I'll speak at your event, tell me how many books you'll buy. And you say, I will buy $30,000 worth of books or whatever the... I, I, and Gary Vee, if you're right, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, maybe it's a little bit different than that, right? But it's somewhere along oh. that lines, right? So um, so yeah, then, then you buy the books and then you give the books away to all the attendees because sure. now you've got all those books you got to get rid of, of right? So typically, whenever you're getting a speaker who's an author, it's a mixture of buy my books off of Amazon or wherever yeah, yeah. And, and pay a small speaking fee of some sort. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Man, you're unlocking secrets for me today. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of conference marketing, I would say. It's like one of the niches that I've had the most success in. Interesting. You mentioned courses earlier. Yeah. You build courses. I want to learn, like, suppose I wanted to build a course. I wanted to continue receiving money for said courses, sort of like course in a box. Mm-hmm. Here's your course. Um, you're not, let's assume you're not super involved. What, what does that look like for you? How do you build a course? I've been doing courses now for a long time. Yeah. And I have this belief that information is free. Okay. Right, and information is becoming more and more accessible, more and more free. If you're yeah. trying to sell information, you're competing against Facebook, Google, right? Big companies that are trying to make information more accessible and more free. Yeah. Your content might be unique in the way that you present it, that sort of thing, but you're also competing against people like we just talked about, Gary Vaynerchuk, sure. who's putting out content all the time that's awesome, amazing, and free, right? So I believe that if you're creating a course and you're hoping you know you just want to sell it and people watch the videos, yeah. it's almost like an old school idea right now. I don't think that in the next five to ten years that that's going to be as successful as it used to be. 
what will replace it? I think what people are going to pay for now, you got to think about like what could people pay for instead of the information. And you know, we believe now what we sell is mentorship, mm-hmm. implementation, right? The follow through. Uh, yeah, like helping people to actually take action on those things, right? So it's like yes, there's videos involved, right? So we don't talk for you know we have 20 hours of training, for example, right? I'm going to talk to every person for 20 hours, get the foundation, get that stuff, right? And then let's talk about it and let's help you actually implement this and become successful with it. That actually right. leads me to my next question. Yeah. A lot of people, they'll buy your course, for example, or they'll buy some other course, um, or they'll buy a book, they'll read a book, um, all kinds of different methods of learning, yeah. but the, the, they fail on the action part. They t- fail to take that leap from learning and absorbing something to actually taking it to the next step and, and doing. Yeah. How, how do you think about that? And how, as somebody who's now building courses um, where you want to be there for that follow-through, um, how do you help people through that? i got a few ways of kind of answering this. One is, like, I have to give credit to Evan Pagan, yeah. who is, that's where I very first learned about the world of information marketing and how to create courses. I studied with him for a number of years by the time I kind of created my first, like, real course that was really making a change in people's lives, right? Um, and... He had the saying, it said, uh, it was a thing called speed of implementation. You guys can Google it, look it up on YouTube, the video's there, right? Yeah. But basically the concept is that the faster you implement something, the more likely you are to succeed. Makes sense. Right? And I've got this concept that says that if you are focused, if you could focus, you are guaranteed to succeed. If you could stay focused. But if you get distracted, you're guaranteed to fail. So then you look at what can distract you. Right? What's the distraction to you? Right? Your phone going off. You've got, uh, you know, there's one thing that I learned, you know, about like having friction in your life. You got issues going on in your life. You're fighting with your spouse, your partner, your parents, your brother, your sister. You haven't talked to your best friend for a long time. You got into an argument. That creates friction in your life that can distract you. So it's about eliminating distractions, and staying focused, and finding out what makes you focused. We were talking earlier how I'm somewhat allergic to coffee, but I still drink it. Yeah. It helps me stay focused, right? I guess it's one of my... What other uh, things keep you focused? What I find, what, the, the one thing for me that works for me is putting headphones on. What do you listen to? I, I have, um, I think, like 60 gigs of music that I collected since, uh, you know, I don't know, for the last few years. an audio years. file. I got, a, I got a large audio file, and uh, I just listen to that stuff. A lot of, yeah. a lot of gangster rap in there. <laughs> so, you know, you know. With all the lyrics, that doesn't, like... I know, I just zone out. I mean, it's just the rhythm, it's the beat, it yeah. gives you a feeling, you know, I don't like the song, I hit next or whatever, right? But I find, I put my headphones on, I'm drinking a coffee or whatever, or even just some hot yeah. water or whatever, and I just work, and I just, you know, go. There's other, you know, tips and tools, you know, I, you know, I met one guy who was doing this, I can't remember what you call it, but you, there was an app he had on an iPad. Yeah. You work for 45 minutes and you take a 15-minute break or something like that? Or you work for 15 oh, it's minutes? It's like an Apple timer almost. Uh, yeah. Pomodoro technique. Yeah, it was pro- yeah something yeah, like yeah. that. He was doing this thing. He was like super productive. He was really cool Phil, right? So he would just like do this thing and he was like, I always had his iPad going. So the iPad was going. I knew not to talk to him, you know? Uh-huh. And, then, and then he had a 10-minute break and then we'd have a discussion, right? So whatever works. I mean, I took productivity courses because the first productivity thing that I did was I read the four-hour work week. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyone who hasn't read that should totally read that. Then I got a course, Evan Pagan again, Wake Up Productive. How do you spell the last name? Evan Pagan. Yeah. P A G A N. Oh, simple. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Wake Up Productive was like totally life changing for me. Uh, I'm just learning. How so? 
Man, I, I can go on if I wake up. I don't want to make this no, up. I, I, this, this is helpful for me. I, I would just say, if somebody wants to learn about it, just look up Wake Up Productive. Yeah. There's a lot of videos online right now. He's yeah. got Wake Up Productive 2.0 now. Not an expensive Give me one course. thing you do when you wake up. I, I don't follow Wake Up Productive. <laughs> it, it's more about... Um, I mean, one thing that was from Wake Up Productive was, okay, this is actually something I do do, is that you know, what, you know, what, what you eat is going to affect, you know, how you feel, right? Yeah. And not, you know, obviously, right? I actually did learn that in that course, but I mean, it's kind of obvious to me now, right? So uh, if you start your day by eating something unhealthy, right? Like if you have like a piece of chocolate first thing yeah. in the morning and you're just nibbling on it while you're making your breakfast, you're going to crave unhealthy things for the rest of the day. And the more unhealthy things you have, the more that you're going to feel tired. You know what Makes I mean? Sense. Um, so uh, I start the morning by having a, a juice, Right, but I'm juicing vegetables, no sugars, and that's the first thing that I have every morning. Or I'll have a bunch of water. Um, I also drink bulletproof coffee. Right, I've been doing um, intermittent fasting, where basically uh, you try to push your breakfast as late as possible. So I'm usually not eating breakfast until two o'clock. Have a snack in the middle of the day, and then Ooh. I eat my dinner around seven o'clock. So, uh, so I find I'm super productive in the morning, but as soon as I eat a big meal, then I'm tired, right? So even my breakfast, I started actually eating half of it at two o'clock and the other half around four o'clock. So that's being my snack. And I'm having like, you know, organic eggs. And, you got you know, this meat. down to a science. Yeah, so it's like what you eat makes a huge difference in your productivity. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I think that's, you know, the major thing that's gonna keep you focused, right? Um, you know, I don't have any notifications on my phone. It doesn't make any noise. It's always on silent and, um, you know, I like you know. Even if you send me a text message, it doesn't show up on my lock screen. I have to open my phone, and and see that I have a message, yeah. right? Uh, stuff like that. My phone will ring if it's not on silent, but when it's on silent, it doesn't vibrate, right? There's no notifications on my computer. Uh, there's all the sounds on Facebook that, that Facebook makes, right? I you know I've had it off since they started making sounds, but sometimes I see other people on their computer, and then you hear a little ding sound every time you get a notification on Facebook. I'm like. Why don't you turn that off? That's crazy that you let that distract you, right? Because you're working on something, you're writing something, or yeah, yeah. whatever you're doing, and you get that dinging sound. You're like, oh, let's go see what's going on there. And it's like, oh, butterfly, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, just eliminate distractions from your life, right? Like those sounds that your email makes or sure, whatever. Sure. You know, you want to get rid of all that stuff. All in, you know, so close your tabs. Yeah, just yeah. Just have what you know exactly what you're working on open. Nothing else. You want to see when you're looking at your day and how it's going, are you in active mode or reactive mode, right? What's the difference? Active mode is like you are you know, going in, you're saying, I gotta do this, I'm gonna get that done, I'm gonna do this, right? Reactive mode is I'm responding to emails, I'm picking up the phone, who just texts me, yeah. right? So I'm reacting to other people's actions versus me taking action and me controlling my day. So anytime I'm having, ask yourself. yeah, every time I'm having a, you know, a day that I'm not feeling, you know, productive, well, you know, sometimes I'll just say, you know, this is a reactive day. Let's just continue it as a reactive day. Let's respond to everyone. You know, I got a lot of people sure. messaging me or whatever. So cool. That's that's a reactive day, or you know, uh, first, you know, maybe my morning is going to be active, and then my afternoon will be reactive, right? If I'm feeling a little bit out of it, whatever, I'll just do a reactive day, right? But you want to be conscious to, well, for me anyways, it helps me to be conscious about, you know, where where I'm at in my day in that in that kind of way. I feel like you could probably go on about this for absolutely ever. Yeah, I, I, I haven't watched Wake Up like I watched Wake Up Productive in like 2009, and uh, yeah, I would recommend. I think the course sells for like 300 bucks. Yeah. I'm not an affiliate or anything like that, but. Uh, I would it's recommend worthwhile. it. Uh, yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, there's a couple more questions I want to ask you. You recently rebranded Web Friendly. Yeah. I went through something similar not too long ago, and I don't know 
exactly where I went wrong, but like, I hate my website. I hate it just, every time I think about it, it makes me mad because I spent a lot of time on it and I spent a lot of money on it uh. and I totally goofed. So I've, I've looked at some of the things that, um, that you've changed since, um, starting your, your rebrand. And I think you, you're still sort of in the middle yeah, of it. We haven't launched a new site yet. Yeah. What, what have you learned so far? I guess. What should, right, so, should we do? What should we not do? Um, okay, so the first thing is like I spent the first you know eight years of my business as a direct response marketer, right? I want to you know do this marketing in this campaign. We're going to measure this campaign and, and the amount of money that it brought in, mm -hmm. right? If I run an ad, we're spending a dollar, we're making two dollars sure. or five dollar or ten or yeah. whatever, right? Direct response marketing, and I was always growing up in the direct marketing world, right? That's most it. internet marketers are. Then I started looking at people with great brands, right? I had I was actually at a conference and I was listening to a guy named Ree Perez and shout out to Ree Perez because he was really one that sparked this. Yeah. And he was talking about the power of a great brand and how when you have a great brand, you could demand higher prices and, and how you're sure. getting more customers and you build a tribe and like, you know, you have this whole presentation about it, right? And you know, I had been thinking about it before, right? Anyway, so I ended up contacting him, getting him on the phone. Yeah, he spent like a good hour, two hours with me almost. And, um, you know, one thing he told me was, he was like, who's, you know, an online, you know, influencer, you know, you know, what's the first word that comes to, and he was just like naming some people and saying, what's the first, what, what do you think of when you think of, what do you think of when you hear Gary Vaynerchuk? Energetic. Energetic? But what, no what, what, what would you think, what would you think is his brand? Put into a word. Generous. Generosity? Sure. Cool. Uh, what about like uh, Tim Ferriss? Uh, experimenting. Experiments? Okay. What about uh, Ty Lopez? I don't know. I just think social media. Yeah. So it was interesting. So he did that to me as well, yeah. right? With Gary Vaynerchuk, I said hustle, yeah. right? Uh, that was, that was his word, right? <laughs> right? Uh, you know, Tim Ferriss, you know, productivity, because I see a yeah, four-hour work true. week, but, that's you know, true. he's, you know, he does other stuff. Um, you know, uh, Lewis House, Lewis House. Yeah, I think Lewis House Lifestyle. is a great brand. Yeah, but recently he changed because now he just has this new book, you know, yeah, mask masculinity, masculinity, right? Yeah. So now you're gonna think masculinity before it was greatness. Yeah, fair enough. Right? Yeah. School so of greatness. I, Lewis House is just like yeah. great branding and stuff. It was yes. really good. So, so yeah. Then you know, we went to like Ty Lopez, right? Which is somebody who I follow. Like I'm very entertained by Ty Lopez, right? But I was always interested how so many people like didn't like Ty Lopez. Like I'd always seen him and I'd never had a problem with him. And like so many people just don't like Ty Lopez. I didn't understand why or whatever, right? Why do you think? I think because he's his brand is not is not concrete. I don't know, and I, I mean, you know, he's, he knows a lot about marketing. I don't want to be like, uh, well, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not totally certain, but I feel like there's a lot of this like cars and girls and you know yeah. all that kind of stuff, which is all great. It's like all you know, as a young person, like you, you know, you, you think that's what the you want. Of flavor, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, you think that's yeah. what you want, but there's more to it, and I think he sure. knows that too. He's a smart guy, right? But I think in terms of like a brand, like a distinct message. Yeah. I think when you think of of Ty, you often think of just excess. Of what? Excess. Excess? Yeah, Lamborghinis, yeah, not, yeah. You know, mansions, blah, blah, blah. I think there's just a lot going on. He's got a lot, lot I think of there's so messages. much more to him. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I, I've listened to a lot of his stuff, and he is not dumb. Like, he oh, yeah. is He's an intelligent, well-read, yeah. well-spoken dude. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, so where were we? <laughs> we're talking no, about it, branding. Yeah, yeah. No, like for me, like I, I really, I, like I appreciate him a lot. Sure. And, and so, yeah, I'm not, not trying to like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I just think that in terms of the branding, I think that there's still work to be done. You even look at his website. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, sorry to talk okay. about that. And, but and yeah. what about, so in your rebranding, how did you think about it? So, so yeah, so, you know, 
I, you know, there, there's one side is like your kind of your brand narrative and mm -hmm. your story, which is something that, you know, we're, you know, it's not something you're just going to decide on and be like, okay, that's it, right? It's like we have more clarity on it. We know kind of what we want to move towards, but it's something we're going to develop over the next one year, two years, and beyond. And it's something yeah. that could develop and change, right? So I think one again, of those early steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have more more clarity around kind of what that uh, I you know I have more clarity around my why, my philosophy, you know, all that kind of stuff, what I believe in, what I stand for, um, you know, myself and as well as the company, right? But the other side was the visual identity, which originally I was really trying what to does find. That mean? The visual identity is like you know what, you know, you know, for me, I wanted to create a design. I'm really into design, right? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have a design that. Uh, would have like notoriety, you know, someone would see it, they would see our ad or they would see our marketing and they would, you know, without us even saying web friendly, they would know that's like a web friendly thing. You know, like when you look at like people who do like, um, you know, jokes around like an Apple ad, sure. right? Like there's a certain style to how they, they do Apple commercials that if someone else were to rip it off, you'd be like, they're, they're trying to be like Apple. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, gotcha. Like that kind of, that's what I would, that's what I'm trying to create is like that, mm -hmm. that side of it, right? And so we were doing this whole thing with this logo thing and I had this vision of web friendly and I wanted someone to be able to see the name and just kind of like know, you know, somewhat just by saying web friendly and, and with a logo or whatever, I have, I have an idea of what we do, right? So I had this idea of having uh, a hashtag and, um, and uh, you know, trying to make a hashtag friendly, right? So we worked with the designer and so on and went through okay. lots of iterations on it. Designer doesn't like me very much anymore. I'm a very uh, picky person. <laughs> but anyways, we came up with something called the smile tag, yeah. which is our new logo, right? So we used to have a B and uh, the B, um, th there was a whole story. I won't get into the why I chose the B in the first place, but anyways, the, the B's going away because we never really Bees explained. are friendly. Bees sting you, and they, you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, <laughs> Wasps are the bad ones. There was this thing. I saw, I saw a TED Talk, <laughs> and right, I cannot right, find right. this TED Talk again. I saw a TED Talk about how bees work like a social network works. Something about the oh, network effect and da, 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 yeah, you know, all this stuff. But I, I was never able to really fully explain it, but that was sure. my idea around it. But, it, you know, because I never explained it, it just, just looked like we had a mascot that was a bee. Are there any resources that you would point people towards if, um, like perhaps me, for example, towards if, I'm planning to do a rebrand, which God knows I should. Well, I, I tell you, because with a rebrand, you are like your visual identity, yeah, right. But where does that stuff come from? Like, did you read about that stuff somewhere? With visual identity, I mean, that's where hiring, like you're hiring a designer. You gotta try to find the right designer, right? Gotcha. Uh, I talked to a lot of designers. I mean, there was people who, you know, they were, you know, wanted, you know, thirty, forty thousand yeah. dollars, and I was, I was close. I was almost gonna spend thirty, forty thousand dollars on the rebrand, right? And then I talked to some people. They're like, "You're crazy. You don't spend thirty, forty thousand dollars. You can get this up for less." And done, right? So, anyways, I ended up finding a great guy. Um, did it for a lot less. Uh, you know, I, I am. I'm someone who's like, uh, you know, I joke that like, I'm a designer too, I just can't use Photoshop, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, the designer, I don't know if he likes me that much, but <laughs> we try to be friends. <laughs> but, I, think, I think at the end of the day, I, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. I need to find somebody who, that's what they do. They do branding. That's, that's what there, they do. Yeah, and there was, a, there was a lot, yeah. Like this yeah. designer that I ended up finding, like he knew a lot about, you know, which colors work and why. Sure. Like, we ended See, up I don't going know with, any of that stuff. Yeah, we went with like this blue, this Egyptian blue. So yeah. he's like, you know, give me the logos, whatever. And I finally approved a logo. 
and uh, and then uh, we we're going with the color. I'm like, okay, we're gonna go with blue. You know, that, you know, and he goes Egyptian blue. And I go, why did you choose Egyptian blue? And I, and I looked up like colors of blue, and I was trying to figure out why he said Egyptian blue, right? And then he gave me this like long, elaborate answer, right? And I was like, I don't know, it was like middle of the night, whatever. And I was just like, I don't understand anything you've said, but fine, I approve, right? something <laughs> like that, right? So, anyways, then later on, I was talking to my girlfriend about it. And I was like, look, look at this long, long message. This is a designer sent. I was like, this is ridiculous. All the explanation you gave me on the color blue. And then she read it and then she saw my response. She's like, Matt, that was so rude of you. She's like, how could you talk to him like that? He put in so much effort to give you this answer. Da, da, da. And then I reread it. And I was like, oh my God, I was so rude. I was like, it's true. Like he gave me like a really elaborate answer, right? So it turns out Egyptian Blue is great because you can go to like a printer and say, I want to get this stuff printed. It's Egyptian Blue. He knows what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's a very gotcha. popular color of blue. So that was one interesting thing. I mean, there's other colors of blue that also work in that kind of way, but Egyptian blue is a very classic uh, kind of color. So there was things like that that really help. You know, when you when you have a really good visual designer, that's going to be very helpful. But the other part of it too is the kind of content that you want to put out. Like doing this is awesome, right? But you can also repurpose this. Like for example, we could have been broadcasting live on Facebook right now, right? I, I used to do it, it, actually. Yeah, you would have shared it. I would have shared yeah. it. We would have probably had 30, 40 people watching this right ah. now. We could have taken questions from the audience. You could have broadcast on YouTube at the exact same time, right? You could be broadcasting would on Periscope, Instagram. Would you just Periscope, have phones set up? Is that Instagram. probably what you'd have going? What's that? Would you just have like a couple phones set up? You can do it a few ways. Uh, you can use Wirecast. You can broadcast to multiple places at the same time. Wirecast. Yeah, Wirecast. But Facebook's API has a limitation that will only broadcast to Facebook. And I, I, I'm guessing Instagram is going to be the same thing. Uh, I actually haven't tried uh, tried it on that. Otherwise, you just get a secondary phone, an older phone, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. an iPad or uh, an iPod or whatever. Next time. Yeah, right. So I mean, that's just one example. So you got sure, a Facebook sure. Live, okay? You got this. Do you upload this as a podcast or just a YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we 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 do break it up. Like we repurpose it as much as we can. So we yeah. take the video, then we'll break that down into smaller clips. And we're thinking, like right now, we're doing two to three minute clips. We'll probably take that in the future and break that down into one minute clips for Instagram. We take screenshots, photos, we share those around. Um, blog posts come of it. You get someone like transcribe this and yes. then turn this into like, not a transcription, right? But actually taking the content, have somebody actually type it out, read it, and then like, you know, redo it as like a blog post. Yeah, I think we do both. So we have the transcription which would um, go, go with the YouTube go, go, yeah, video, yeah, yeah, so it would yeah. actually go in YouTube, yeah, yeah. and then we would, and I think it actually might even go on the podcast page, yeah. um, but then we, we take the content, we actually make a blog post as well. Yeah. So we, we do try and get as much value out of it as, as possible, because exactly, yeah. the production isn't cheap, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I would recommend anyone doing, it's just like, yeah, because especially if you set it up, if you did a Facebook Live, you would know that, for example, you're doing a Facebook Live every Friday at noon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now you're committed. you got to be there every Friday at noon. Mm. People know they're expecting you, social right? Social commitment. It creates social commitment. When I used to do Internet Masterminds, every Monday at 7. I had to have a speaker yeah. every Monday at 7, right? Ugh. So, so yeah, I think that's why. As Danny knows, I'm terrible at that. Yeah, that's why I would recommend the... Uh, you know, even when we were organizing this, you were yeah. like, can you do it on a Wednesday? And I was like, how about a Friday? I was like, you're like, you know, so it was a little bit tight. But if you, if you had a show that was at, you know, Wednesdays at 2 or whatever, you know, then that's it. You're just like, hey, shows at Wednesdays at 2. Can you make yeah, it? Yeah, be there, be square. Yeah, exactly. Cool, man. Well, this part of the show, I, I pretty much exhausted my questions. So this part of the show is sort of open to you to plug whatever it is you want um, these folks to, to take a peek at, to share, to... Whatever. 
Sure, if you guys want a, a free course, we've got a course called Four Steps to Social Media Profits. You go to webfriendly.com slash bootcamp and uh, you're gonna learn how to grow your audience, engage your audience, convert your audience, and influence your audience. It's about three and a half hours of training inside there. It's all completely free. And uh, after that, check out our blog. We're gonna be publishing content. Uh, we're gonna probably do one to three posts uh, per week at first and slowly increase that as we uh, find more ways of getting more traffic. And all that content is actually content that's coming out of our paid courses. So we're trying to give the information for free so you guys can learn and implement and uh, if there's a time that you feel you need a mentor, you need a bit more support and help, that's when you can reach out to us and learn about our programs. What about social media? Where can people find you on social media? We are slash web friendly everywhere. Easy enough. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, that's that's it for me. Thank you very much. I really, really, really appreciate it. I've been meaning to have you on the show for a long time. Yeah. I'm glad we were able to finally pull the trigger on that. So. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. I hope that you learned something today. And uh, I'm looking forward to bringing the next speaker on, on episode 42. Thanks.